0: Another way to play episode 131.
1: Hey, you got to just focus on the present. It's really important to set goals and long-term goals and have a vision of who you are and what you want to accomplish. But ultimately, if you're not focused, if you're not locked in right now, it's going to be very hard to achieve the, uh, the aims that you set out for. This is Jeremy Bandari, author of Trust the Grind. And if you wanna make the next chapter of your life better than the last, then you should be listening to Another Way to Play with my good friend, Hans Struzina.
0: Welcome to Another Way to Play. I'm your host, Hans Struzina, Olympic athlete turned top producing Bay Area realtor. I believe that your success or failure is determined by your ability to compete and win when it comes to your mindset. Twice a week, I talk with other high performers to share the lessons and inspiration that allowed them to blow the roof off their success. So get ready to have some fun, be inspired, and most importantly, learn the skills you need to win in your own life. This is Another Way to Play. I am your host, Hans Strazina, and have you ever wondered what it is that makes world-class athletes as good as they are, obviously it's the practice, the dedication, the physical attributes, but there's also a lot of the mental game in here. Well, if you've ever thought that to yourself and wonder what the answer is, we've got the show for you. Uh, Today's guest is Jeremy Bhandari. He's the author of Trust the Grind, How World-Class Athletes Got to the Top, uh, which is an Amazon number one bestseller for young teens and young adults in the fitness and exercise section. He's also been recognized for that book on the National Alliance of Youth Sports. Uh, Being a young person himself, he realized that he uh, just had a passion for teaching and helping. He was working at sports Center as an analyst, using just all kinds of trivia and knowledge uh, to, to create content, both for the live shows as well as their social media and uh, other sort of engagements, um, but realized that he could also be doing a lot more to help others uh, with the knowledge that he had. So he took his passion for sports, went and interviewed 16 of the best athletes across different uh, disciplines. Disciplines, different sports, uh, Olympic, professional, you name it. He's got them in there. Some of them are, you know, Jason Kidd, Terrell Owens, Manny Pacquiao, and many, many more. And just ask them a bunch of questions about what made them so good and turn that into 13 chapters, which we really dissect in this book. We also talk a lot about some of his personal development, um, how he, at a very young age of 24, has already started to move the needle for himself on all of that. And, uh, frankly, some really great takeaways that you could probably implement right away to yourself. Um, so if you get some value out of this, head over to iTunes or wherever you're listening, give it a thumbs up, five-star review, because it really helps me grow and continue to get the message out there to a few more people who need to hear it. So thanks in advance for that. I appreciate all of you guys who have done that already. And without any further ado, let's get into it today with Jeremy Bandaari. Jeremy, man, thanks for being on the show. Really appreciate you coming on and talking to us about your book. It's an honor
1: Hans. And, um, like I said, we were talking off air, but just congratulations on everything. And, uh, I'm excited to get the chance to talk to you.
0: Well, Hey, I appreciate that. And, uh, yeah, man, it's, it's great to, to collaborate with someone who's doing some cool things yourself. So with that, let's talk about rise, uh, Excuse me. Trust the grind. I almost said rise and grind, <laughs> but trust the grind. <laughs> hey, the book you put out, yeah. Um, tell us, tell us about that book, man, and and kind of what inspired you to write it, and like what we can find in it, and and then we'll we'll unpack that a little bit more after after we hear that part.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, quick backstory on me personally: when I uh, I attended college at UMass Amherst. studied communications there didn't really know what I wanted to do my senior year as far as career wise but uh I had a lot of sports knowledge and and during my senior year at college actually I was a sports blogger for this website called the game house so I would publish like three or four articles a week um just on any sport the cool, you say wow but it counted towards the undergraduate um degree so I was like it was so much better than trekking in a to a random gen ed class in the winter in Massachusetts. So I was cool with just sitting in front of my computer, and get spewing out some articles here and there. So um, with that said, I, um, I got really into having a voice in sports and creating content around numbers and statistics and, and athletes overall. So when it was time for graduation, I kind of, like I said, I wasn't really sure which, which step I wanted to take as, in terms of my career. But uh, I saw an opening at ESPN, just just randomly going on Google and saying, you know, whatever. And it was a sports researcher job. And I thought, hey, I have all this sports writing. At this point now, I have about 100 articles. I've been writing a couple per week for, you know, a year or so. So I had all this, quote unquote, a sports resume to uh, send off. So I thought, hey, what the heck? I always enjoyed watching sports growing up. I got all this information and content. I'm going to give it a shot. I don't know anyone in the business. I don't know anyone there, but I'm just going to do the traditional application. And about a week later, I got an email saying, hey, we'd like to schedule the initial phone call. And uh, about five or six phone interviews, two in-person evaluations, a sports test, online test that I had to take. I ended up getting, getting chosen as the, uh, as the next researcher there. So and it, was, it was this really cool, great opportunity.
0: What was that sports test like, man? Like everyone, like that, I mean, that job it I can't imagine the depth of, of trivia and knowledge you have to have around all sports, not just like baseball or one sport, right? Like you have to be really well-rounded to work at a spot like that.
1: Yeah. It was like, well-rounded. I mean, you needed to know golf. You needed to know tennis. Like it was just a lot of just showing the box score and creating an idea behind it and just answering questions. And, um, not too hard for me. Like I said, I was, I, I, to be honest, I was pretty obsessed with, with following sports and I knew mostly just basketball, baseball, and football were like my, my big, um, were like my bread and butter when it came to uh, knowledge wise rather. So, um, so yeah, so I ended up getting this job and it was based out of Charlotte, North Carolina. It was primarily for the, um, for the college sports, which their headquarters is down there in Charlotte. They just got a new office at the time. So a kid who lived in Massachusetts his whole life decides graduation, packs his bag, drives 13 hours down to Charlotte and create and starts this new life here at ESPN as a researcher. So I didn't know anyone. I didn't have any family down there and um, it ended up being the best thing to happen for me. You know, I I always say like getting out of your comfort zone is so key in order to grow. And uh, so I, so I got down there and immediately began working and you know, at ESPN it was it's obviously sports, sports, sports. So um, every single day consisted of creating content, working on shows, creating graphics for the TV uh, TV shows, it's occasionally working on events, live broadcasts, like live college basketball games or, or whatnot, um, helping out with ESPN.com articles, just just helping out a lot with the social media content, creating graphics for them, stuff like that. So it was like this really cool thing for someone who was blogging about sports to then I'm one button away from my ideas are going up on the screen and used on Sports Center or whatever it may be. So it was awesome. But I realized like through this experience during my free time there, I just knew I was like, you know, there's so much more to sports than the box score. And, and at ESPN, all we're doing was studying the box score and deep in Excel spreadsheets, coming up with content centered around statistics, centered around accolades and kind of defining these people's worth as their that is their numbers, right? Like that's, that's the narrative is what, what did they put up today? What were the completion percentage on third down and stuff like that, where it's like, it's all fun and all, there's a place for that. And that's why we love sports. It's fun to argue about it. Who's better than who? And I love that stuff. But, but me personally, man, like I was like, there's so much more than the box score. And that's just when these ideas started getting in my head. And I thought, you know, I really enjoyed writing, blogging about sports because I had a voice. I enjoyed having my own personal voice and coming up with my own takes. And I thought, you know, I got all this sports knowledge and while it's beneficial to create content and, and be of service to any, any facet of the corporation, in my eyes, it's more beneficial if are if the content that I put out is um can impact another person's life in a positive way. I think as um as a writer, as a creative, as someone who puts out content, it's so important that we you know, you're taking someone's time whenever you create something, you you know, whatever it may be a movie, film, um, music, uh, TV show, like you're essentially just being like, how can I steal your time with my art, right? So if you're doing that, it's so important that the context, the content within is beneficial for anyone in any walk of life. So that was my whole like ideology. And And I just began writing down ideas and coming up with ways like, how can I use this sports knowledge in a more beneficial manner? That's just what I kept ringing in my head. And I eventually stumbled upon what I call success habit blueprint for kids, which is my plan was I'm going to interview athletes. I don't know who yet, but I'm going to interview athletes and talk about productive tendencies that help them along their path so we can inspire the next generation. And that's what we did with Trust the Grind.
0: Man, well, thank you for all that backstory, first of all. So, dig into that moment when you're when you're at Sports Center, doing your thing, and and like digesting or or dissecting spreadsheets and all that stuff. And then you transitioned into, well, wait a second, there's more to it than than spreadsheets and the box score and completion percentages. Like, how did how did that appear for you, or was it something that you always knew as an athlete yourself? Because I know you played. A number of sports growing up at different levels, but was it that, or was it like did something just click for you? Like, what was, what was it that kind of shifted your mindset in that way?
1: Yeah, you know what, man, it's a good question, and and it really just boiled down to just living it, to experiencing it. Like, I was, I remember going, getting to go to New Orleans and being um, the live researcher on site for a college basketball game, and it was Memphis versus Tulane, and I'm, um, you know, I get to travel there and. I, I met Penny Hardaway, who was the coach of Memphis. And I remember seeing him on MTV Cribs and he was like the star basketball player when I was young. And, um, and then, you know, I, I grew up watching Sports Center, and my idea, I remember I created this good idea, sent it off and it, I was running at the, running on the treadmill the next day at the gym and I, the TVs had ESPN on and there it was on Sports Center, And my, my idea is being used on something I grew up watching. And, and it was like this cool thing. And, and I got to work with some, some athletes that I grew up, um, you know, idolizing as a kid. So it was like this, all these moments, but still there was something missing. I still wasn't satisfied with the work. Because my thing is like, if you're not assisting someone, if you're not helping someone, it, you kind of have like an empty, there's, a, there's some sort of emptiness, at least for me. I don't know how everyone else is. A lot of people can just navigate, you know, doing something and, and being told what to do and just sticking to that and, and being in their own routine. My for, I don't know if it's my soul, if it's my mind. There was just something saying like, "You got to use all this sports knowledge in a different way to to shine light, to spread positivity." And so it was just a feeling, you know. You ask the question; it's it was just like I got to do all these things at ESPN and and, and stuff that I thought I'd never do. And but there was still a feeling of more wanting to do more in a, in a creative manner.
0: Did you ever have a feeling of like? don't screw this up like why why go rock the boat here like well, I should just do my analyst job and and plug away and like not make too many waves I'm the new guy here like did you have any of that doubt or, or any opposition in that uh, just directly or indirectly
1: uh, no to be honest like because I, I I' just I'm all based on emotions and feeling and if I don't think something's right if I think I maximize my opportunity like for example um, during that that research role, uh, I always look at what's the best possible thing that could happen here, and it's like, well, you know, I could keep creating content and keep, you know, breaking down why this 19-year-old isn't playing well because his completion percentage, or he gets, he, he's not well when the uh, the defense brings pressure. You know, I could get good at that and do that over and over again. And then I thought, you know, if I create it, if I develop my voice as just a creative in this, using sports and using my knowledge. I can impact another uh, kid's lives. I can, you know, push a book or a product or whatever it may be. I can use my voice to spread and help someone else in line. So when I matched those up, it was kind of a no brainer. And I thought, you know, I love ESPN and I'm so thankful for the opportunity. And I've met so many great people that I still talk to today there. But, um, but personally it was just like, there was something in me that wanted to teach, wanted to inspire, I wanted to educate in a completely different light.
0: Before we get into the book, I just rewatched the movie Moneyball with Brad Pitt and Jonah Hill, and I'm sort of struck by like great movie, right? Like it's a great sports movie, and it's it's real. I think it's a well done film just in the first place. But the whole concept was kind of the opposite of what you're talking about. It's like the, the all the old school scouts were like saying like he's not a hitter. He's got a arm. He throw. He pitches weird. Whatever and it won't work but then these guys playing moneyball were like no we're buying runs and we're buying you know hits and and whatever and and they were coming at it from a completely analytic side and i'm wondering because you said there's kind of a place and a time for both like when it comes to quantitative and qualitative in uh, here in the context of sports obviously but in general like where do you draw that line for yourself
1: yeah i think uh like I said, there is a place for it. And um, without that kind of uh, discipline or art, I wouldn't be able to create content and get it pushed on the screens if I didn't um, study the analytics side of it. So uh, I love that. So I love the number crunching, but I don't know if you saw the world series, uh, the rays stuck to that Moneyball ideology and ended up bringing, pulling their starting pitcher out of the last game because they didn't want him to face the, the, the Dodgers lineup the third time around. Cause he doesn't, I guess necessarily based off numbers farewell when he faces a team the third time around the lineup, and they pull him out after he's having this fantastic game. He struck out nine guys, only gave up one run, but just because they based off future numbers that they thought, and it ended up backfiring, and they lost the series. So it's like there's a human factor to sports that you know there's a there's a balance, and it's impossible. Look, the Rays look like a genius if the guys that they put in uh, end up striking everyone out and getting everyone out, and and because of the outcome, because they gave up runs with the new players that they put in, they look like they're idiots. So it's just, there's a balance and you can't tell. And, and there's, there's always going to be a human factor to sports and a human error. And, and certain people rise to the occasion and, and different, you know, this, you know, just like better than anyone, certain people rise to the occasion when, um, when the pressure, when pressure time. So it's, it's, uh, you just never know.
0: There's an art and a science to everything. Absolutely. And you it's not it's not clear cut where you draw that line, but I, I appreciate you going down that whole rabbit hole with me. Um, so going back to your story, man, like you, you were thinking like, hey, I've got to take this knowledge and this platform that I'm starting to create for myself and do something, not necessarily more, but something else with it because you're doing a lot of cool stuff with it already, but you have to have this teaching, this mentoring, this helping bug for lack of a better term, where do you think that that actually came from?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I
0: mean, I think,
1: uh, I mean, my mom was a nurse when I was growing up. So I think just always seeing, it was always about helping someone else, aiding someone. So maybe, you know, I always think about that. Maybe I picked up on that as a kid, but, uh, no, I just thought like, you know what? It also stemmed from just me being such a huge fan of athletes and especially professional athletes, because, uh, I I say this analogy, like you can't know someone on the Yankees. And that means you're going to get a spot on the team or you, you, you know, your uncle can't be in the Lakers organization. It means, Oh, now you're on the squad. Like you, everyone who you see on the TV, making all the money and in those big moments earned that spot. They, they sacrifice so much time in the gym, watching film, whatever it may be to get to that position you know, it's, it's very sports. Professional sports are very different than a lot of other industries where, you know, networking is, is so beneficial in every facet, but it, but it really, you know, highlights itself in different and different uh, disciplines where like, uh, you can get a sales job. if like your, if your dad's running the company or, you know, whatever, whatever it is. So, but you can't do that in sports. That's why I think it's so beautiful. So if my idea is to create a success habit blueprint for kids there's no other better people to speak with than world class athletes because there's no shortcut to success in their field so i thought man i'm such ai was such a fan i watched these people growing up and i had their bobbleheads and why why don't i just talk to them and just you know get to the get to the bottom of this and so we can help and inspire and teach
0: so who did you ultimately end up interviewing for the book
1: yeah so it's um it's 16 athletes and I'll, I'll run down all 16. It's and did you, I guess, did
0: you uh, also interview more than the 16 and then there was a cut or was it like those were the 16 and those were the ones that I wanted?
1: I interviewed like 17 or 18 or 19, I think. And just, just based off the way that the, these conversations flowed or the answers that they sent me, all the interviews were conducted either over the phone or I would send a handful of questions. Um, some of the more important uh, subject matters, I would rather send questions and get their like, you know paragraph answers thoughts on rather than just speaking you know off pocket or whatever so um so the 16 athletes we chose there's 16 athletes and I'll just run through them Jason Kidd Chipper Jones Terrell Owens Paige Van Zant Manny Pacquiao Mike Madonna, Jimmy Johnson Gary Player Dina Castor Ryan Sheckler George St. Pierre Ryan Lochte Devin Hester Andrew Jones Luis Gonzalez and Tim Hudson And it so it's 16 athletes but it's from 11 different sports i believe it is so it's um that was a big thing was diversity and when you're just starting out in the creative world like you got to be as diverse as possible in order to reach a larger audience so i thought you know i love athletes well we're going to try to get everyone from every sport
0: that's awesome so you pulled those 16 or, or slightly more and then it sort of like whittled itself down to the 16 and the blueprint component of this like what Kind of things did you distill? Like, what if we picked up a copy of this book and, and read it? Like, what are the things that we would discover that were the commonalities between, you know, men and women, uh, different Olympic sports to professional, actual, you know, fully paid NBA, NFL, et cetera, of sports? Like, what were the commonalities that you found?
1: Yeah. So I call it a blueprint because it's in chapter form but there's 13 chapters and they're broken down by a productive tendency that one of the athletes harped on. Like, for example, the first chapter is around setting goals and that was what Chipper Jones uh, preached and, and spoke on and in, in the conversation he had. And, uh, you know, he touched on every facet of it, whether it's, you know, if you're going to exist and live and breathe, you got to set the loftiest goals possible. And, um, one of the things we pulled an interview he did when he was like 24 years old and and a reporter asked him what uh, his goals were for the upcoming season. And he said, yeah, I'm going to hit 340 home runs, 120 RBIs, like these colossal statistics that um, I look back and only Hank Aaron was the only player in Braves history to accomplish what he was saying. And then here's a 23, 24-year-old kid. He's been in the league for a little bit, but um, the numbers he set up, were, were just so outlandish and two years later sure enough he accomplishes what he says so so we touch on like hey say your goals out loud it's going to give you confidence it's going to you know boost boost whatever is needed and uh but he also said when it comes to goal setting he said each day I'm i'm showing up to the ballpark i'm just trying to be a tough at bat when each time i step in that batter's box like and what that really means is great analogy for life it's like hey you got to just focus on the present. It's really important to set goals and long-term goals and have a vision of who you are and what you want to accomplish. But ultimately, if you're not focused, if you're not locked in right now, it's going to be very hard to achieve the uh, the aims that you set out for. So, so that was just one example of goal setting. And, and the next chapter after that is developing self-discipline, something Jason Kidd, the hall of fame basketball, basketball player harped on and, um, you know, we touched on so many things. He was telling me, um, one, one of the most more interesting, uh, nuggets in his interview was at the end. I'm like, you know, I get the, uh, the dribbling two balls and thousands of shots a day and watching film. I get all the basketball stuff. But like I said, I'm like, I'm trying to inspire anyone in any walk of life. So is there anything else to being disciplined, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, you know what, man, early on in my career, I kept a journal with me. And I thought, Oh, that's interesting. Like, like go into that. And he's like, yeah, I would, I would write down, you know, things I'm trying to achieve, but I would also highlight and document when I was playing at a high level, what foods was I eating? What was my practice schedule? Like, who was I surrounding myself with? What TV or content was I absorbing? Um, when I was playing my best so that when I'm not getting the results I want, I can easily look back and reflect and, Oh, here's the people I was around. Oh, I was napping at this time, stuff like that. And I'm like, okay, wow, that's really interesting. And and he said, it just keeps you focused. It keeps you, you know, like I said, disciplined because uh, you know exactly what you're trying to do and you know, what's worked and it's easy to reflect on, um, on past behavior. So, so that's another one. And then, uh, I believe the 13, the 13 most, the 13 chapters are, are setting goals, developing self-discipline, staying active and eating right, staying driven. Uh, I got to pull them up. I'm sorry. And, uh, Performing under pressure, embracing failure, developing your passions, being confident, making sacrifices, thinking positive, being yourself, identifying your why, becoming obsessed, and never stopping. So those are the 13 themes we extracted and uh, put together in story form. But yeah, like all all the athletes, all their stories were just tremendous.
0: Man, that's super cool. Was there anything, because like a lot of those chapters really... The, those titles, like I mean, as an athlete and as someone who is a sports fan myself, you know, like that's all the cliche. Not to demean the book or the t- words you picked, but like they're sort of the cliche things, right? But like, what was something that you you found it during your interviews that you were really sort of surprised by? Was there anything that just kind of like, whoa, what what is he talking about or she talking about there?
1: I don't. Uh, I I think we chose to stay on the the or I chose to stand the more cliche manner because th- I believe life is very simple. And and let's just take working out. For example, it's like, if someone's not in shape, right. They're overweight, they're obese, whatever. And they're like, what do I do? It's like, uh, eat the right foods and work out every day. That's it. So is that a cliche? Yeah. Is it going to help you? Yes. So is setting goals, developing self staying driven and, and practicing positive thinking and, and being confident in yourself, if you do apply this in your life, it's going to work. So, um, as cliche as it sounds, it it is very beneficial, but, um, but I think just, just the ultra focus, man, was like the biggest takeaway from each of them and saying they were all so locked in on what they were trying to do. And, um, I think just when you, when you get the chance to, to talk to George St. Pierre and he's, you know, breaking down his his schedule before a fight, his training schedule. It's like Mondays Jiu Jitsu, Tuesdays kickboxing, Wednesdays wrestling. Like it just goes on and on, and, and it never stops. And then each day he goes to the gym. He has um, he wrote down his goals on his bathroom mirror. So when he's brushing his teeth in the morning, it's like uh, on whatever data it was, I will defeat Michael Bisping. And he reads that every morning. And he's got this regimented schedule, this regimented diet. And uh, he's traveling to uh, get the best, he's going to New York to get the best jujitsu training, like just so ultra focused, so locked in on what he's trying to achieve. So I think, you know, the biggest takeaways, all of them were just like so severely, like ridiculously intently focused on what they were trying to do. And it's, it's rare. And when you think about your life or anyone's lives, like the most success we have is when we're locked in and we're present and we're, and we're focused on what we're trying to achieve. And that's why we do it because we're, we have so much, all of our energy is focused on what we're trying to do. And that's why we're able to get the results we want. So I think all 16 of them have this rare ability that everyone can can unlock and everyone can stick to, but this rare ability to stay so focused over such a long stretch of time.
0: Yeah, man. That's something that I talk about on this show and just in general with friends or colleagues or whatever is, starting to put time on your side because because anyone reading your book or listening to this conversation is going to say, well, you know, it's easy for them because they're a professional athlete. It's like, well, no, you have to reverse this. Like they became a professional athlete because they did those 13 things and they did them probably since they were pretty young. And so you're sitting here at 20, 30, 40 years old thinking, you know, wow, they're way out there they're not way out there. They've just put in five, 10, 15 years into something very, to your point, intensely and focused and uh, made the marginal gains every single day uh, to accomplish those things and be in the position that they're in.
1: Absolutely. And not to cut you off, but I'm just so, I'm so passionate about what you just said, because like I, when I spoke to Terrell Owens and it's, it's just his chapters being driven the importance of staying driven. And, oh, that's obvious. You know, you want to be successful. Like, look, you got to stay driven. But, you know, he's telling me, like, first of all, he wasn't like a four- or five-star recruit coming out of high school. He, uh, he only started on his football team his junior year because the, the person who was in the starting lineup was sick that day. So that's why he got a chance to start his junior year. Now, this is a Hall of Fame receiver. And then while he goes to – he doesn't get the big offers uh, heading into college, and he ends up going to um, Chattanooga, which is not like this high-profile football school at all. And while he's there, you know what? During the summer and winter breaks, when everyone's going home for recess and um, seeing their hometown friends, he stays on campus and he's in the gym every day lifting. No one's there. Just Imagine just one person in the gym. He had to beg to get the keys. He's benching, hoping the weights don't fall because there's no spotter. Because everyone's at home everyone's le- relaxing. And, no, here's a guy who's focused and realizes he has some ability and he wants to take it to the next level. And then when he – so that that work ethic, that discipline, that drive gets him to the NFL. And while first couple years in the NFL on the 49ers, you know, he said he's living with his grandma still and um, just staying because he knows he needs to get better and better. He wasn't satisfied with just being in the league. And his off-season routine and the, when he first got to the league was like just – he would create his own, um, crazy workout regimen. And then he would go and do the two a days with the high school that he grew up playing on their football during their summer. So he has his own workout. He sprints to the high school from his grandma's house to the two a day practices at, um, at, at the former high school, and then goes back home and, and continues to work out. And so it's like, yeah, you see these colossal numbers and he's, you know, third all time in receiving yards or something and, and receiving touchdowns. And it's him, Jerry Rice and Randy Moss. But it's like, are you going to be the person to, you know, stay on campus in college? Are you going to sacrifice your time in the NFL and, and really take it to the extreme and do these two a day, three a day practices? And that's what you got to say that's what you got to do and look yourself in the mirror, whatever your field is. And not everyone's a professional football player, but whatever your craft, whatever your job, whatever your role is that you're hoping to essentially elevate, um, you, you know, think about stuff like that and realize, you know, you know, if you're working hard and doing your best and, and you just got to really, you know, we see these athletes, oh, they're getting paid millions. Well, you don't know what happens behind the scenes.
0: Yeah. Hey, Jeremy, I'm, I love, I love that you brought that up. Cause I think that that is to the point about the sort of cliché-ness of, of the titles of the book. Like that's the whole thing. Like it's not rocket science. it It, it is, it is what you just described. It is putting in some, the time, not just some time, but enough time until you're good. And relative to like, Staying focused, staying driven. Like if you start putting in time on something, and you're all of a sudden like, oh, actually, I really don't like this. I don't like playing football, or I don't like sales. I'd rather be in marketing or or whatever. Like that's when you you need to pivot and go put in that effort and that time somewhere else. And you know the this most athletes kind of figure that out probably in high school. They try a bunch of sports, and you're like, I hate this one. I love this one. Let's go over here. Um, but once you figure that thing out, and you really and that's the thing with goals. Like, once you really identify the thing that it is that you want, it now matters. It's now scary. It's now like you've got something on the line to lose if you fail, quote unquote, air quotes around fail. But if you're the one who's willing to seriously put in the work and stay during Christmas break and lift weights and do or the equivalent of that, whatever that looks like for you, all of a sudden the world is, is, Pretty open, and and then it's just basically a matter of time until you succeed, as opposed to an if.
1: Yeah, it just it really, really, no matter what, what industry, whatever it is, it boils down to how much energy and time you put towards it. And the one constant, the one fact of life is that if we put more time and energy towards whatever X, we're going to get better at X. You know, it's just there's no doubt about it. the The degree of or you know, how much we're going to get better, how much our game is going to getting elevated. Determine is varies a little bit, but we know as humans, if we put time and energy towards something continuously over, you know, weekly, monthly, yearly, we're going to improve. It's just, it, that's what happens. That's why it's all, that's what people say in anything. It's reps, 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 reps. You got to get reps in whatever you want to get good at. So it's, it's really cool.
0: Pull this quickly back into sort of a business or career context because sports is like, yeah, you go to practice, you lift the weights, you do like people can kind of go A to B to C on that one. But like an example, I have a I'm a co-founder in a in a company that edits podcasts called Streamline Podcast. And one of our employees self-identified when he first showed up to start editing audio for us um, as sort of an introvert, someone who didn't like talking, someone who was sort of like just send me the files i'm going to do my little hacker cave thing and i'm just going to i'm just going to grind and he's been with us about 2 months and the the development of him it was crazy. Like over two months, he just, because he had to all of a sudden be part of a team, show up to these different zoom meetings, you know, communicate either by, by chat or by video conference. And he shared with us on one of our meetings, he's like, I'm so grateful for this company because it has pulled me out of my little shell. And now like, Two months ago, I wouldn't have talked on this meeting. We had like 30 people on a Zoom call. And he's like, now... And he was still stumbling over his words. But he's like, I'm, I'm talking. And that's incredible. I've never done that before. And so the same exact thing. Reps, 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 to your point, is exactly how you get good at anything. And that goes for anything
1: (laughs) yeah it's funny we all uh, thank you for sharing that number one but, but we all have the ability to be great and to be our high flourish to our highest power we really do it's just a matter of of not number one not being afraid to express ourselves but number two like we said just going out there and trying you know maybe you don't know you know, you could try five sports before you find the one that you enjoy as in during your free time, or you could find five what maybe you like, you thought you like arts and crafts. And you thought not. It's like, Oh, let's go to painting and then no. And you know, maybe you, you stumble upon something else like a scrapbooking or something. You just never know until you try just a bunch of different things. And, and you just got to stay with what your emotions what you feel like and uh yeah that's just such a great story because it just goes to show that anything is possible if we put time and energy in and you'd be surprised i'm sure that that individual was shocked at how how far he's gone grown in such a short amount of time
0: well and that's another another thing is You know, getting yourself in the right position around the right types of people will help you do that sort of thing, help you do it faster for sure than you could by yourself. But it also requires you to know what you want. And that is a really complicated and scary proposition for all of us, myself included, to identify what it is we truly want. I can tell you for hours what I don't want pretty easily without actually a whole lot of emotion. But as soon as you say, what do you want? I I cannot articulate it in the same way because a, I haven't, it, it's scary to go there. Cause then you're like, Oh, what am I actually capable of? And you go back to that failure mindset. But if you're willing to do that and set up your environment and apply some of the things that you can read in Jeremy's book to whatever the goal is that you're actually pursuing, like that's when some pretty cool and amazing transformations can happen
1: yeah I'm so glad that they said that because a quick example from from the story when I spoke with Jason Kidd he uh, during you know, he was a standout high school basketball player, of course, but but during going into his senior year of high school, that summer, he had the opportunity to practice with Gary Payton, who at the time was in the NBA at his budding superstar for the SuperSonics. and he was also like a Bay Area native. So he came back for the summer and was like, hey, I hear this kid, Jason's the talk of the town' Um, uh, you know, let's, let's give them, let's, let's run it up. And so they, they ended up practicing together. And Jason was telling me he didn't score one basket against Gary the first time they went out there and he went home and cried and to his parents. Oh, like I'm, you know, something that I flourished at on the high school level, I'm destroying my opponents. I'm winning state championships. I'm the best player in the country. And all of a sudden the same exact activity, I'm going up against a different person and I can't do anything. It's as if my powers are gone and he was, but, um, he didn't even want to go back. He was like, well, I, this isn't it. And his parents said, no, you go back, you know, surrounding yourself with individuals who are better than you quote unquote, or have more experience than you only elevates your game. So eventually, you know, Jason takes it, whatever goes back and, um, goes back, goes back one day. It's one bucket here. Okay. Three buckets here, and four buckets here. And, and, uh, if you look up at the, um, the NBA statistics and all-time records, Jason Kidd essentially uh, all love to Gary Payton surpassed Gary Payton in terms of career numbers and whatnot. So you'd be very surprised at my whole point is no matter what, you'd be very surprised that we'd be able to accomplish um, in that moment, but just know going into anything new, you're going to struggle at first. You're not going to be the best, but, but the idea just keeping your head with the chance of, of what the possibilities are the possibilities are endless for you in and, and any discipline. you just got to be brave enough to, uh, to fail, number one, but just to go out there and keep trying and trying because you're going to get better
0: dude jeremy i appreciate that appreciate all the stories you've shared in the book um and and here on the podcast so um but i do want to respect the rest of your day because gosh we could roll like this all day i'm sure but i do want to transition us to the last section of the show called the focus five which is the same five questions i ask every guest on every show are you ready
1: let's do it yes sir
0: uh the, this is a book question, so obviously your' book, but I'm also looking for another one. What book have you gifted most often?
1: i like uh I like The Alchemist if it's like someone who's into fiction books, but aside from the Alchemist, I would say for people who are like looking for success, I like Think and Grow Rich. I think that's a fantastic book that i I, I often recommend but so yeah, it just depends on on that person's character if they like to get into a story or if they're looking for straight, concrete, concrete answers.
0: If you could get an hour of somebody's time, past or present, live or dead and ask as many questions as you wanted, who would that person be and why?
1: Oh man, that is so tough. There's like, so I always, I get asked like if you could eat dinner with five people, but um, I would say, I think Paul McCartney is so cool, man. Like, like the, um, and I know he's still alive and I just think uh, he's just had such an incredible run and done everything. He just seems so cool. So I just want to know how, how does he stay so cool and calm and collected this 60 years in the spotlight and the Beatles were like the biggest thing in the world. I mean, he's a megastar still. And so I think him. I'm into music. And, um, so I think Paul McCartney would have to be my answer.
0: That's a cool answer, man. Uh, what is one thing that you believe most people would disagree with you on?
1: Uh, whew. I've never been asked that, but one one something that people would disagree with me on is uh, the importance of, of nutrition. A lot of people just kind of eat whatever, and they think they just and they don't understand that even in the grocery stores, some of the ingredients it, it's not good. And if you go to restaurants and eat at fast food, it's it's terrible for you, like what what they put in the toxins. And I have people, I've peers, you know, I'm 24, so I guess we're on the younger side of. Um, in in terms of nutrition understanding, but, but yeah, people just eat whatever, talk about McDonald's and I always tell them, no, you can't be putting that. It's going to affect your mood. And we talk about that in trust the grind, the effects that certain foods can have on your mental health and uh, which I, which I really enjoy. It's one of my favorite chapters in the book. So I think just the the importance of nutrition on your mental health and people don't really have a firm comprehension on that. And um, I try to, you know, emphasize, I couldn't emphasize that enough is take care of your body before you do anything.
0: Well said, man. I I appreciate that for sure. Uh, give us a glimpse of your morning routine. How do you like to start your day?
1: Yeah. So I, I get up early. I, um, I eat the same breakfast every single day. It's a smoothie, a fruit smoothie with, uh, with egg whites and toast. And then I like to get a workout in. And after that, I will usually journal some sort, which that means just like. Write down what I'm trying to do for the day, what I need to accomplish, who I need to reach out to, um, ideas I have, goals I have, uh, upcoming projects, stuff like that. So I just have a clear, concrete idea of what I'm trying to do is early on, and then just going out and making it happen. So I think so. I like I say, I eat the same foods. I like to get a workout in. I like to get a sweat early, and I like to just identify some sort of idea. So I can, when I hit my bed, my head on the pillow that night, I can feel satisfied because I'll be able to check off some boxes.
0: Right on, man. Dude, what is the best place we can A, find the book and B, connect with you online?
1: Yeah. So Trust the Grind, the best way to go about it is just going on Amazon, type in Trust the Grind, it'll pop right up. Uh, it's been endorsed by some of the athletes in the, in the story uh, via their social media. And uh, me, I'm on uh, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, at Jeremy the Grind, J E R E M Y T H E G R I N D. Uh, also on Facebook, Jeremy Bandari. But yeah, the uh, the best way to go about trust the grind is just going through Amazon. And like I said, it's a great product for young kid, any young kid out there who's looking for that that push in the right direction or wants to get the step ahead from the uh, the competitors and the overall competition. But it's not it, as much as it's centered around sports and everything, but it, it really you can really apply it to, to any, any walk of life. And uh, I think the 13 productive habits that we touched on are beneficial for anyone.
0: Dude, Jeremy, I appreciate you coming on the show, sharing everything with us um, and uh, really good luck with the book. Thank you for putting it together. I think it's a great resource for anybody, especially the younger generation. And I'm super excited to stay in touch with you and, and see where you go with the book and, and whatever your next project is, man.
1: Thank you, Hans. It's been great. And uh, like I said, keep up the great work and keep
0: dominating. And that's a wrap for today. Thanks so much for tuning in. Really appreciate it. If you want to connect with Jeremy, I've got all his social profiles down in the show notes so they're easy to find and obviously a link to Amazon where you can pick up a copy of the book. And if you want to connect with me, I'm on Instagram at Chief Sna as well as at Hansstrezina.com, All down in the show notes, so it's easy to find. And without any further ado, we're going to get on out of here. If you're getting some value, give it a rating and review. You know what to do. Thanks in advance for that. This is Hans Struzina, host of Another Way to Play. And remember to make every chapter better than the last.